Welcome to Understanding Aged Care, a podcast all about navigating the quagmire that is end-of-life discussions and all of the fabulous things that come along with it. My name is Rachel Corbett and I am joined by the Director of Aged Care Planners, Andrew Kay. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I am good. It is time to talk. It is time to talk indeed. This can be the most terrifying bit for people where you realise your parents or your grandparents are not getting any younger. You might be visualising and seeing some things that like, uh-oh, that doesn't look like how Nan used to be or how Dad used to be, and you have to broach the topic of what are we going to do as things get worse. First up, I want to ask you what people do wrong at this stage, do you think? Probably the most common thing that people do is believe that they've got to parent the parents and they talk down to the parents, they tell the parents what they need to do and they don't take the time to step back walk a few steps in their parents' shoes and understand from their perspective the things that might be affecting them and their decisions about seeking some help and some care. And often it's because the parents are worried about becoming a burden on the children. Mm. (laughs) So it doesn't work well if you walk in there and just simply tell someone that they need help and we're going to get someone in here next Wednesday. That's disregarding their wishes and disregarding, I think, the context that those people are looking at their own lives in. Yeah, it's also, I mean, at that stage of your life, you're already losing so much of your power. The fact that you could be told what to do takes away any additional agency that you have to make decisions about where you want to be. There's huge fear. The huge fear is loss of independence, as you've identified, and also a fear that they're going to be pushed into an aged care home early. Mm. And that's what the conversation's about. If the conversation's framed in small bite steps based on observations, then it will be a lot more effective if it's done respectfully and compassionately with some empathy for them, asking open questions, leading them down the path to actually accepting the fact that they may need a little bit of help. The earlier you start it, the less help that's going to be needed, the less confronting it is. What I have found after eight years, thousands of conversations, hundreds of family meetings, is there's no such thing as a normal family. (laughs) We're all different. We're all quirky. There's all sorts of issues floating around out there. Siblings that do get on, that don't get on. Other family members that are involved in a whole raft of interference can come in that makes it a lot more complex. If you are in that situation and you're taking point on it, then you need to be aware that you are going to be exposing yourself to a whole raft of challenges reflections, potentially criticism as well. Mm. It's not an easy job taking the lead in addressing aged care issues and conversations with with family members. So I think the first thing that people need to understand is what are the signs that will tell you that some help is needed? Mm. And Christmas, birthdays, Easter are always good times because often that's the first time that all the family's together. And even if you're seeing your parents regularly, you may not be picking up the small signs where they're no longer doing things that they used to do, where the house isn't quite as tidy as it used to be. The fridge, you know, the food in the fridge, it's either well past its use by date or there's no food in the fridge. Mm. There's a whole raft of signs that will help you understand whether the a care conversation is needed and how to direct that conversation. It could be that there's a pile of unopened envelopes sitting on the on the front hall table. They're not paying the bills. They're not attending to their personal financial matters. The garden could be looking overrun. It used to be immaculate. You know, Dad's rose garden that he's been you know tending for the last thirty years is suddenly hasn't been pruned in two years. It's everything's running wild. Mm. You've noticed that Mum isn't cooking much anymore. Well, is that a time to actually introduce the conversation about getting some meals brought in? It's no threat to them. It's a small step though. Getting meals on wheels is a whole raft of home delivery food providers out there now, and that's a good conversation starter. 
Uh, and it's not threatening because mm. it's not actually having someone coming into the house. <laughs> they're just dropping some food off. Yeah. Um, and it's ensuring that their diet is, is, is full and they're not actually starting to deplete themselves on, on food and nutrition. You might notice that the clothes aren't washed and neat. They're a bit more creased than before. Um, you might find that people are showering less as well. There was one case I had with a lady that was um, family was concerned because she was her her wardrobe was mismatched. She wasn't showering as often, but her her clothes and wardrobe was mismatched. What they found was that she was actually virtually blind Aww. at this point, so her eyesight was affecting it. So she wasn't showering. She was nervous about dressing. She couldn't work out what she was putting on and whether they matched and what her outfits looked like. So often there's underlying things beneath this that if you approach it gently and you take gentle steps towards it, you'll unearth it. Another instance was a lady in an aged care home who wasn't eating, wasn't eating the meals. She just wanted sandwiches. And again, it was eyesight. She was virtually blind. She couldn't see the food on the plate. She couldn't hit it with a fork. Mm. She just wanted a sandwich to eat. I think that's an interesting point because so much of what bubbles underneath in this situation is pride and the desire to not sort of flag, I'm having trouble or I can't do this. So often people will find a way to push through and just deal with it in a way that means that they don't have to say, I can't do this anymore. So they just adapt. Correct, they do. And if it's a couple situation still, one will be compensating for the other. Yeah. And it's often the carer that ends up having a health issue and then suddenly the family's exposed to what's really been going on, Mm. which is a crisis at home supported by the other one and the other one has been defensive they don't want to feel as though they're going to get pushed into our care they're nervous about having strangers coming into the house and helping them and they don't want to be a burden on the family so the earlier you start talking the better you're going to be able to help them i think you've got to choose the place and time for the conversation you don't do it at a big family dinner <laughs> it's yeah. it's one where you have where it's a it's a quiet cup of tea it's a cup of coffee and you introduce the concept of home care you introduce the idea of it and leave it. You don't force it. You ask them what their goals and wishes are, how they're coping, how they're managing. You can use references of friends of theirs that might have been getting some help or friends that have gone into residential care and how they may have been able to defer that or delay it by getting some help at home. Cost is a big thing. You know, If we're dealing with age pensioners, cost is a really big issue. Government subsidised home care is readily affordable. It's benchmarked back to the uh, age pension. So your daily fee for home care is 17.5% of the single day rate age pension, about 10 bucks a day. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. (laughs) And that will get you someone giving you one or two hours of help on a low-level basis. I think keeping in mind just at all points, what will you be like at that point? Thinking about yourself in that position, because I think sometimes we can kind of infantilize our parents or we can see them sort of falling to bits and you, I don't know, you, you don't think about what it would be like to have lived a full life, to have been completely capable and competent, to have raised children and built a home and had a family and then all of a sudden the things that used to work aren't working anymore. It is a conversation about the diminishment of independence yeah. or the loss of independence. And that's why it's so terrifying. None of us want to face it. And probably one of the biggest ones is when the driver's license goes and there's a loss of transport. It's a massive issue. It's a massive issue. They'll deny it. (laughs) They'll fight against it. Mm. But when that license goes, it's a shattering moment Mm. and you need to be prepared for it. And if you can see that you're not far away from the loss of independence on driving, that's a conversation point because you're going to need to get replacement transport. Mm. And that's available through community support services, through the Commonwealth Home Support Program. 
Do you have advice around people that are, because a lot of them are going to want to push through and often push through on dangerous things, you know, so there will be people that will still want to drive when they probably shouldn't be driving pre-license being lost. There are a lot of people who would have parents and grandparents who want to push through that barrier and like, no, I can do it. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Do you have any advice around, around that? You can't force it. The unfortunate thing is you sometimes have to wait for a crisis and that's why planning is so important. You need to understand what you're going to do when you get that phone call. Mm. Mum's had a fall, she's in hospital or the police have just picked mum up, they've taken her home, they're not going to release her again because they don't believe it's safe. In terms of those home support services and we'll go through some of those in later episodes, do you at this stage say if only small things are changing and they're not really ready for anybody to come in and it might be a while still. Is it worth registering for those services at that stage? Totally. The earliest opportunities you've got to start putting the foundation stones in place, do it. Do it at one small task at a time. It means you're only doing, it's going to take you five minutes a week. It's done. Mm. You can then move on to the next one. And if a crisis happens, that's something you don't need to think about because it's already done. Um, Probably one of the easiest ones with in relation to getting started, is to sit with mum and dad or mum or dad um, or the relative and just say, listen, why don't we get set up on my aged care? We can phone them now. We can do it pretty easily. And all we're doing is getting you set up just in case. We're not doing anything else. And you can get mum into the system. You can create a client record. She will get a client record number. You can be registered on her account as well. So you can talk to my aged care for your mother in case she can't. Then it's done. You're in the system. You're set up. It doesn't mean that they're going to get contacted by anyone. It doesn't mean that they're going to suddenly have people coming into the house and trying to control them and direct what they're doing. They're just simply set up and ready to go. It means that when you do want to start getting some help at home, be it the very entry-level home care through the Commonwealth Home Support Program, it's really just another phone call. It's just going through a checklist. You're already in the system. Your record's there. It'll take a lot out of it. Mm. What I might leave you with is if you are approaching a conversation with um, uh, either of your parents, treat them with dignity. Treat them as an adult, even if they've got dementia, even if you believe that their cognitive capacity is gone. Treat them respectfully. Be positive. Be compassionate. The focus is about maintaining and increasing their independence, and that's the emphasis that you have to take into that conversation. It's not about taking away their independence. It's about ensuring that they're going to sustain it. And reassure them that home help does not erode independence. It, in fact, gives them much greater independence. They will be able to start doing things that they've stopped doing. Dad's roses can get tended again because they've got someone to stand in the garden with him. They've got a chair for him to sit on while he does the roses. And they've got some arthritis-specific secateurs so he can actually start clipping them again. Great, great advice. Uh, If you need any additional help, please head to agecareplanners.com.au. Get in touch with Andrew. He can be bloody invaluable (laughs) through, through all of this. And we will see you for the next episode. Thank you very much. Goodbye.